Well, howdy there, Internet people. It's Bo again. So today we are going to talk about diplomacy and Biden and foreign policy and a request from a professor to talk about a what if. And I guess we'll talk about why I have been, uh, quote, intentionally vague lately in some of the things that I have been talking about. Okay, so here's the message. I'm a professor and teach about foreign policy. I have a lot of respect for the way you present things and make them accessible without needing a PhD. I understand why you were intentionally vague about how it could, quote, get really bad. One of the reasons I like you is that you aren't alarmist and don't scare people for clicks. Now that that threat has subsided, I beg you to explain what the worst case scenario was. People should really know. Okay, so... Over the uh, last few weeks, I have been talking about expansion, widening, it getting really bad, talking about a regional conflict in the Middle East. Um, and I have been vague about it. Now, as far as the message goes, I do not believe that the threat has subsided, as in it's completely gone. It is definitely lessened. Over the last few days, there has been a lot of signaling coming from the Iranian government. Well, elements within the Iranian government, because the Iranian government is basically three governments wrapped up in a trench coat. They're not always united, but there's been a lot of signaling, and that signaling is that they don't want a regional conflict either. They call for a, they call for a boycott, which is another way of saying we don't actually want to fight. Okay, That's really good news. It is better news than most people probably uh, really grasp. Um, so that expansion, the, the possibility of a regional conflict, is what the Biden administration's foreign policy has been prioritizing. Stopping that. That's been their main goal. Um, because of that signaling, and it is worth noting, because in the U.S., the coverage says Iran proxies. Okay, Iran has influence over the non-state actors. They don't have command, so there's still a risk there. But the worst-case scenario here is now very, very, very unlikely. It, it, it wasn't necessarily just a couple of weeks ago. So starting off an expansion uh, of this conflict could include other non-state actors getting involved. And that's bad, but that's on the opposite end from the worst-case scenario. The worst-case scenario begins with Arab states, with other Middle Eastern countries, with other countries in the region getting directly involved with their actual military. That's your worst case scenario, because from there, it is very easy for dominoes to start falling. If, if other countries in the region decided to intervene on the Palestinians' behalf, they would do so by going after Israel. There would be attacks on Israeli territory. If... If that coalition of countries or singular country 
started to make gains into Israeli territory, that's when it could go from something that is horrible to something that is unthinkable. In the West, the West in general, constantly telling Ukraine, don't send troops into Russian territory. Why? Because they're a nuclear power and it could be perceived as an existential threat which could lead to the deployment of strategic arms, nuclear weapons. Israel is also a nuclear power. That rule about not taking territory from nuclear powers, that's pretty universal. Um, so that, that risk was there. That risk was there. And I know that sounds very uh, hyperbolic. In 1967, big conflict. Israel had uh, just gotten nukes. Just, just got them. In fact, I don't even think they had like good wide-scale, like the ability to produce well yet. Um, there was a plan, I can't remember the name of the operation, but it was designed to insert some commandos and have them go up to the top of a mountain. Very symbolic, you know, down from the mountaintop and all that stuff. I want to say in the Sinai and detonate a nuke as a warning. In 1973, Israel almost invoked the Samson option. They readied more than a dozen nuclear weapons on readied them uh, for planes and missiles to be delivered. It, it's not, it isn't something that is out of the realm of possibility. If a regional conflict started, it, it would be on the table. And it turns a horrible situation into one that's really bad. Like, just unthinkable, where you are not counting the lost in thousands. This is what the Biden administration foreign policy, their diplomacy efforts have been focused on. That was the priority. Not what everybody was looking at. Um, now that the signaling has occurred, you'll see a shift. And it's already started. Uh, State Department is meeting with Arab foreign ministers, I think, today. And they're talking about a ceasefire. A word that, realistically, the U.S. government probably isn't going to use for a while. Um, you'll hear pause, as Biden said, a pause. Um, the signaling from Iran started right about the time he said that. That's when the shift occurred. And up until then, up until those signals were clear from Iran, the worst case scenario was something that had to be, had to be considered because it's, it's not something that was out of the realm of possibility. It was unlikely, but it, if 
a coalition of countries or a country in the region decided to intervene on the Palestinians' behalf and started hitting Israeli territory, the second that happened, you were far more likely to have strategic arms deployed there than at any point in, in the conflict in Ukraine. It's a, it was a real risk. Um, it's still a risk, but it's just lessened a substantial amount. So, that's... Uh, I, I didn't see the, the value in, in talking about that until we knew. Because I was very hopeful that cooler heads would prevail in Tehran. Um, I know in the U.S. there's a lot of propaganda about the country, but they're not ignorant people. And and I I thought that that was a very... uh, I thought them recognizing the stakes was the most likely, but it it just wasn't something I, I was ready to talk about. Uh, I didn't see the value in scaring people for no reason. Because if if it did start going down that direction, there's nothing anybody could do about it. Um, but it does appear that Iran and other major players in in the area have signaled that isn't what they want, which stands to reason if you go watch the video over on the other channel with the whiteboard in our fictitious region. The, uh, the countries that were allied to red, they really don't want red to win. So it, it, it fits with normal foreign policy, but we didn't know. Now that those signals are out there, you can anticipate a shift in U.S. foreign policy. Uh, there will still be a lot of resources devoted to that, but you, you, it is more likely today that you see the U.S. start to really apply pressure to maybe get a ceasefire or a pause um, than it was a week ago. All that being said, we're not completely out of the woods yet because something... Something could happen in Gaza that alters Tehran's perception. Um, the non-state actors could act on their own and something happened there. there. There's still risks. It's just a lot less than it was a week or two weeks ago. Um, but, yeah, that's the, uh, that's the other end of the spectrum as far as what's possible and how bad it could get. And that is really what the Biden administration has has been working for. That's what they've been doing. Um, I would imagine that when this administration ends and all the inevitable books come out, there's probably going to be a lot of revelations uh, about conversations that were had that will probably be surprising. Just remember, (laughs) what the American public doesn't know is what makes us the American public. Anyway, 
It's just a thought. Y'all have a good day.